Hello, and welcome to EdTech Coast to Coast, brought to you by the K-12 Blueprint and produced by Clarity Innovations. Each month, we talk with EdTech influencers on the vanguard of 21st century teaching and learning. We'll share the latest EdTech information and insights so that professionals just like you can help build a brighter future for students. Today, we talk with Patrick Venebush, Chief Learning Officer at the Math Learning Center. The Math Learning Center is a nonprofit organization serving the education community with a mission to inspire and enable learners to develop their mathematical confidence. For over 40 years, the Math Learning Center has been providing innovative and standards-based tools and resources, including the comprehensive Bridges in Mathematics PK-5 through curriculum. With this rich heritage in mind, Patrick explains what he considers to be effective math instruction. I guess I would say that effective math instruction, from my perspective, is making sure that we start from a from a problem based perspective. So I think I think too many teachers, you know, go from the perspective of what are the skills that students need to have? Let's teach them those skills. Um, Let's give them the definitions they need. Let's give them sort of all the background material they need to to be able to do math uh, in, in the, from the perspective of the teacher. And then you give them the real problems to try to solve, to try to put all those things together into a, into a big problem solving strategy. And I don't, I don't think that that's really the best way for students to learn. Um, so, so what's potentially effective and, and maybe innovative is starting with a really rich problem. And as students really have to sort of struggle through it a little bit, not in a, not in a bad way, in a, in a good productive struggle sort of sense, they're pulling out the information they need. They're learning some things along the way. They're developing their own strategies, which may not be the most efficient at the start, but eventually they can refine those. And I think that's what I would see as innovative instruction. I think there's a lot of it happening now. Um, you know, effective instruction 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago was about who was the best explainer at the front of the classroom. And now um, innovative and effective instruction is about who's the best at getting kids to do the explaining um, and having them teach one another and bring up the ideas themselves. And I think I think that's what we're sort of looking for. I think that's what we've been pushing for at MLC. There are a million math dictionaries that exist right now that explain math terms, and they make a lot of sense if you already know what you're talking about. But they don't, they're, they're not, the, you know, the best way to learn a language is not to read the dictionary, and the best way to learn math is not to read a math dictionary. And so, yeah, I mean, I think we want students like getting in there, getting messy, getting dirty, trying to figure things out on their own, trying to, you know, put forth ideas and it may or may not be right. And that's okay. When you're figuring things out and learning at the beginning, there's a lot of, there's a lot of research that says that that's the way people learn. Things are messy and it doesn't all fit together. And eventually it will, as you learn more and more. And so, I mean, we want to have that happening in the classroom and, and, and I think, you know, nice, meaty, interesting problems, context that students are, you know, interested in digging into, um, rich problems where it's not just, you know, a quickly solved thing that doesn't interest a kid, but something bigger, like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, those are the way to get kids involved in, and they're going to want to pull those things out on their own, I think. Graham Fletcher, who's one of the, you know, bright stars in math education right now, he talks about this all the time, that you you don't want to teach um, early elementary math concepts to students without making sure that they're seeing things in context and they have something to hang on to that's not just the numbers because that's not going to make sense to them by itself. You want to make sure all those things go together. So whether or not we'll ever truly get to a full you know, interdisciplinary curriculum, I'm not sure, but I think there are bits and pieces of it happening already and that's going to that's continue to grow. Math Learning Center's Bridges in Mathematics curriculum is the cornerstone of many educators' math instruction. 
Patrick discusses how Math Learning Center adapted their resources for the pandemic and what that meant for students and teachers. We shipped to classrooms boxes of materials and binders of teacher's guides and and student books. Um, And when those things are in a classroom and the kids and the teachers aren't there, you have kind of a bit of an issue. So, you know, our CEO describes our boxes as a box full of potential. And then what the teacher does with it is when the magic happens in the classroom and that potential is, you know, shot in the foot whenever uh, students can't be there. So we had to really think about what we were doing. And, and the big thing we did is, is um, converted a lot of our, t- our materials so they could be used in a digital format or in a, in a hybrid environment. So being used on Zoom and allowing kids to work at home and, and how can you get kids to collaborate in that sort of you know, awkward online environment. And, and especially at the beginning of the pandemic, teachers had no idea what to do with kids on Zoom. Like they knew they were there, they knew they could see them you know, you're potentially reverting to 1950s and just lecturing at kids. And that's not really that much fun. Um, So what we attempted to do was we created um, uh, tech enhanced activities, we call them TEAs for short, where, you know, taking advantage of whatever technology was easily available to teachers. So we used um, Google Slides and Jamboard um, and, you know, talked about ways that over Zoom or in in a synchronous environment, you could do those things, gave suggestions for how you could use some of the um, commercially available platforms, so like um, Pear Deck or Seesaw or those kinds of things and how you'd use them. But the, the tech-enhanced activities that we created would be um, teachers could use them in some cases in a synchronous version where they're on Zoom and they're having the conversation with the entire class. In other cases, they're giving things to students so they can work on on their own, submit things to the teacher. The teacher can take bits and pieces of what the kids did, put that into another slide deck and use it for the next synchronous meeting. Um, and in some ways that would, it, that would mimic what we think is good instruction in the classroom, right? So there's a problem or an activity that all the kids get and they work on it for five minutes and they talk with a friend. And then the teacher takes, you know, five of those, you know, conversations that happened in the classroom and you have the big discussion about, well, this is the way, you know, that, that Dale and his partner did it. And this is the way that two other people did it. And this is the way that somebody else did it. You know, let's compare those. Let's talk about it and contrast them. And we tried to make that um, be as reflected as possible in the digital environment when we could. You, you know, you, you use um, Google Slides and have every kid working on a different Google Slide, and three of them are in a breakout room over here, and three are in another breakout room. And as the, as the teacher, you can pop between the breakout rooms, and you can watch all, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 Google Slides at the same time. You're seeing every kid's work simultaneously. You're having conversations with some of them just as if you were walking around the room. So you're creating, you know, that that online analog to the, to the real experience, but in some ways it's better. Cause I'm getting, I get to see every kid's work all at the same time. And it's certainly more work for on the part of the teacher to make those things happen, right. To, to make it a really social experience with, I've got to create 10 breakout rooms and I've got to have a different activity for every kid. And I've got to be walking around and make sure everything's prepared. Like it's a lot more work. Um, so that's the part that it's going to be a bit harder. Um, so I think, I think the lesson learned is, um, there were ways that we got kids to interact with one another in an online environment that, um, I don't know if it was better than a face-to-face environment, but it, but it certainly gives, um, a lot of push, I think, to teachers like, yeah, having kids collaborate, because you didn't really have much other choice in the digital environment. You had to figure out ways to make it happen. Um, and what can they bring back from that? So just getting kids talking, sharing their ideas, how you structure that. I mean, one of the things that happened in the online environment was if kids submitted things as a teacher, I had time to 
distill which which is the the sort of best solution and i'll maybe save that for last which one did a kid just make you know a little bit of progress but i want that kid to have some airtime so maybe i'll have his his solution or his you know work go first um we want teachers to sort of be doing that on the fly so in some ways it was it was on the spot professional learning for teachers and and sort of as reflective of a number of the things that are in the field right now Hybrid learning is a reality for many schools, with some students attending class in person and others joining the class virtually from home. Some of Math Learning Center's most popular offerings are their math manipulatives. Patrick explains how these and other digital tools can best be utilized in hybrid learning scenarios. You know, we have uh, 11 apps that we have through the Math Learning Center. And those are every bit as good and in some ways better than the physical manipulatives. So the way that I think they're not as good is students aren't actually touching the pieces. And for very young kids, that's really important. Um, but they can play with 500 of them at a time and none of them are falling off the desk onto the floor for the teacher to clean up or the kids to have to clean up you know, before the end of the time. Um, so that's where I think there's a great benefit to it. The other part of it is you can make a lot of different examples in a very short period of time using digital manipulatives. Um, and, and that's really powerful to start to see growing patterns or start to see what's happening with something. Um, I would say the same thing is true about physical manipulatives to make those things, but just the speed with which you can do it digitally is usually very good because, you know, you make a three by three and then you want to make a four by four, you can copy the three by three and just add some as opposed to having to pull out 16 new ones or whatever. So it's just, there's some speed to it that I think is really, really powerful. And, you know, the, a lot of what happens in math is identifying those patterns and seeing what's happened as things change and being able to make those uh, examples really quickly, you have more time to spend on the thinking about what's changing and less time to have to worry about, you know, the, the minutia of putting things together. Um, and, and I mean, I would even extend that to, you know, that's sort of my philosophy about math in general, giving kids either computers to use or calculators to use is beneficial because it takes away some of the drudgery of the computation and you get kids to look at a lot of, you know, bigger examples because they can do the computations really quickly with the technology. And they're looking at the bigger pieces of mathematics that you wanted to pay attention to. EdTech Coast to Coast is a production of Clarity Innovations for the K-12 Blueprint. Be sure to visit the K-12 Blueprint at www.k12blueprint.com for the latest research data, device information, best practices, and deployment strategies showing real-world results in districts just like yours. And to help educators keep pace with current educational practices, the K-12 Blueprint provides robust toolkits loaded with vital resources, each focusing on a critical challenge. Let's hear more from Patrick about what he thinks math instruction will look like moving forward. Here's, here's what I'll say about the future of math education. I, there's no way I can reasonably predict what it's going to look like. What I can say is that I feel like in maybe the past eight to 10 years, maybe a little longer, there's been a tidal wave of change in math education. Obviously the pandemic caused a lot of that. But even before that, there were things finally starting to happen. People realizing that, you know, we're, we're abusing kids with too many assessments and, and we're doing things and people actually trying to make change so that that's not as much the case. Um, the fact that um, there, you know, there are different um, theories that have come out. So one of the ones is like doing um, number talks in the classroom and then the literature about how to do that effectively. And it's, and it's everywhere in the PD now, like you can get, there's, there's free webinars that teachers can watch. There's YouTube videos to sort of improve their craft. And I just feel like 
the field is so much better educated about what works instructionally than we were 20 or 30 years ago. So, I mean, I guess, you know, part of that is just, you know, the birth of the internet and, and all the things we're doing. Um, I think the fact that there are so many great people now who are willing to share their ideas and their thoughts in, in a freely available manner that hadn't been there before. And so, you know, it's my hope. I'll go back to where we started all this, like the idea of starting with a problem and getting kids to make sense on their own. Like that's now a thing that a lot of people believe. And it's just going to be more and more people believe that and more and more people are going to try to do that. And I think the classrooms are going to continue to continue to evolve um, so that we're looking a little more like what I hope, you know, what I hope all classrooms look, you know, would have looked like for a long time. Um, and, and just getting, just getting kids to make sense on their own, to think about really deep problems, to bring in their own ideas and, and to use what we know about, you know, brain research and how kids learn to actually make sure that math, math learning happens for the kids. Thank you, Patrick, for taking the time to share those valuable insights. We'll see you next time here at EdTech Coast to Coast. Until then, keep learning. Keep learning.